Hello, honey, and welcome to Honey Do Me Podcast. I'm Cass. And I'm Emma, and we're just two gals looking for a good lay. Aren't we all? (laughs) But when it comes to sex, we're just as lost as you and have no idea what we're doing. Luckily, we will stop at nothing to get the answers we need. Cue our expert guests. We're ready to overshare and ask all the embarrassing questions so you don't have to. By the end of every episode, you will be dripping in actionable steps and ready to take on the damn world. Or at least take it from behind. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, honey. How How do you do you? already going i I know i'm always how it works always coming always going yeah (laughs) you can't be both oh my god what i have to tell you and i've been meaning to update you (gasps) i've been using a new toy like nonstop. Oh, fun. Not this like, is so much better news than I was expecting. <laughs> no, by your face. I was no. like, why would you wait till we turn No, there's terrible news on. as well, obviously, with Roe v. Wade. We'll get yeah. to that in a second. Right. Um, to start with lighter news. Uh, I've been using my wand. Ooh. Constantly. Like, it's an addiction. It's a problem. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's I a problem. I it plugged in. <laughs> what do like, you I leave it plugged in. <laughs> nice. Because like, I'm like. Supercharged? Yeah. Well, I'm like, uh, well, you have to plug it in uh, while you're using it. It's a, in the oh wall. Oh, my wand. God. That's I hilarious. talked about it in like our sex toys episode. That's right. Um, so it's a big boy and it's like very powerful. And honestly, whenever I have a couple minutes, I'm like, eh, sure. might as well. It's already <laughs> plugged in. Uh, so then I just go do that. I love that for you. Yeah. Because it was hard for a minute, right? It was hard for it a minute. It took you a while Soft to get the. <laughs> You were you were soft. I don't know. Cuts get hard. <laughs> yeah, it's analogous an um, analogous Your tissue. Eyes got really. Cuts get hard. <laughs> they do. Yeah. I know. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Um. That's wow. I moved my headphone for five seconds and I didn't realize that I'm fucking yelling. <laughs> I think we talk so loud. Yeah. We don't realize that. But that's amazing I for you. I want people to hear me. I really want. Yeah, you do with that wand. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm actually quite a quiet masturbator. Are you a loud masturbator? Uh, you mean like when I'm orgasming? Yeah. No, I'm not. I mean, if I'm in the shower, I can be a little louder because I'll either have like music and, mm-hmm. and it just feels better to like let yourself fully mm-hmm. express if, but I'm not like, ah! <laughs> I think I'm quite literally silent. <laughs> like, I don't think you can hear me over the sound of the toy. Because there was one time when Jurgen was like, oh, like, you can use a toy while I'm here. I think I talked about this on, like, the last episode. But what I didn't mention is he's like, because I want to hear you. And I'm like, you won't. <laughs> like, there's, you won't. There's nothing to hear. Well, do you have an orgasm face at least? Or do I you guess. like... But, well, at that point I told him I don't want you looking at me. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll just listen to you. And I'm like, great. You're just going to hear buzzing. Just, so I don't really make noise. I don't know if that's a, like a learned behavior. <laughs> Classical conditioning. I don't know. But uh, yeah. Okay. No, that's perfectly fine. So there's that. Um, <laughs> in other news. There's no way to transition no. into the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yeah, and that no. fucking sucks. And we 
I hope it is fucking obvious that we support reproductive justice and are big advocates for you having complete control over your own body. Um, We are working on putting together an episode that will give you all the resources, all the action items, regardless of which state you live in. We want to make sure that you still have access in one way or another to abortion. Um, And if you are still in a state that has access, how you can help those that don't. So we're working on that. And uh, send in your questions as well, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, any questions that you have, we want to make sure that they get answered. Any resources that you're looking for specifically. um, Yeah, we just want it to all be in one easy-to-access place. Clickable place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another thing that is in one clickable place is today's episode. Ah, yes, YouTube. (laughs) Ah, yes. I was just going to say, I was just going to lead right in. (laughs) But yes, on YouTube as well, you can go there and just click our video. I have to apologize right now for my resting bitch face in this episode. I think I was so <laughs> focused on what Irene, our guest, was saying. Uh, I look like such a cunt. Like, truly. I was editing the video and I was like, who's that bitch? Who is that bitch and what was up her ass that day? Yeah, something. I was clearly, <laughs> like, distracted. I don't know what was going on. I was so focused. Let's go with that. Let's and go with that. so interested, You're which really I was. thinking hard and yeah. if that's a bitchy face, then who am I? So Fucking, so be fucking be it. Today we are talking about sex in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How to still desire the person that you're with years from now. Yeesh. But also, it gives really good insight into the stages of sex, even if mm-hmm. you're just beginning yeah. your relationship and how you're like building your sex mm-hmm. with that person and what to look for. Yes, exactly. I mean, we talk a lot about the honeymoon phase, like in life in general, mm-hmm. and I feel like after is just kind of supposed to suck, right. but it doesn't have to. Um, it's like there's people who have the honeymoon phase forever, and then there's regular people, and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> fuck me then, right? Yeah. Or don't, I guess. Or don't, I guess. <laughs> Never fuck me. Um, but we also, Cass brings up a really good point about, like, the morning phase of, mm. uh, <laughs> I, in my head, I was like, like, morning time, but no, like, mourning um, the death of the honeymoon phase mm. and kind of that that everyone goes through. I tend to bring up really good points so (laughs) thanks for pointing to that that, and we'll see you on the other side (laughs) so hi i'm irene fair and i'm a sex and intimacy coach specifically for couples in a long-term relationship and really what i do is i reintroduce couples to each other and help them fall in love and revive their sex lives, revive the passion and connection between them that may have uh, drifted away due to just the longevity of the relationship, certainly having children, raising children, uh, all the stressors around that. So it's, it's, make, it's helping couples make love and sex work in a long-term relationship. Such important work. Mm-hmm. That was kind of where we wanted to start, which was you know, what are these changes that happen over time in a long-term relationship with sex? Why is it important for sex to be a topic of conversation in your relationship over the course of it? Well, it's such an important topic and it does not get enough time, airspace, and coverage. And we see so much of attention on sex when you're dating or when you're single and we set a lot of expectations that it's going to be hot and exciting and new all the time. That's certainly not the case in a long-term relationship. And I think of sex in a long-term relationship moving through three different stages. Most people get through two, 
a lot of couples or most couples actually do not get to the third stage unless they intentionally uh, work on sex. And so the first stage is the stage that we experience in the beginning of a relationship. And this is what I call friction sex. It's exciting. It's driven by hormones. It's driven by your desire to be with your partner and really like not wanting to keep your hands off each other and wanting to, to rip your clothes off. This is what we see in the movies. This is what we, we most of us experience in the beginning of a relationship. And it's an exciting stage. It's, um, again, it's just, we're high on these hormones and it's lovely. And this stage naturally goes away because those hormones go away. If you stay with a partner for, uh, for more than a couple of months, the newness begins to not be so new anymore. The, the sex hormones not, uh, are not as strong anymore. And so couples will notice that their passion starts to die out. And this stage in particular really has a short shelf life unless maintained by alcohol and drugs, just again, naturally the hormones wane. And so couples start again to see the passion drop. But if along the way they fall in love with each other and start to develop feelings for each other, they enter what I call the validation stage of the relationship and of their sex life. And here sex takes on a whole different meaning. So before it was about the physicality of it and the excitement, the passion. Now it's infused with love and validating each other, showing that you care for each other, show that you matter to each other. So this type of sex can be very warm and and comforting and just like like a warm blanket. But what happens also in this stage when you have love and, and this, this caring for each other is that whenever there's love, there's also fear, fear of losing it, fear of losing your partner, fear of doing something wrong. And couples here start to walk on eggshells around each other, kind of inadvertently, wanting to protect each other, not hurt each other, and again, not lose that love. And that does something to sex. It makes us, for example, for women in a, in a heterosexual relationship, makes us not want to ask for what we really want. We, we, we back off and, and get, get shy about this. And men stop being so, uh, they, they, they stop initiating, they stop being bold in sex because they don't want to hurt their partner. And so then the passion starts to naturally drop from that. And of course, in a long-term relationship, you might have stressors, you might have children, you might have all these things happening, responsibilities, and with them, disappointments and resentments, and those piling up. And so this validation stage starts out beautifully and warmly and the passion and the desire starts to wane. You also get into attachment patterns. Again, when, when there's love in the picture, you start to get um, the the attachment patterns kicking in. So the withdrawer or the pursuer um, patterns kicking in. And so that of course affects passion as well. And so, here, couples start to really question their love for each other as if there's something wrong with them. And it's this is the stage where I think of like a sex dying in a long-term relationship. And the couple's feeling so confused and, and blaming themselves and each other for it. Yet all of this is natural. And all of this is driven by biology and hormones. The biology of newness and sexual attraction and then the biology of love and the hormones of love. And so death of sex is not a bad thing. 
but that you've, it basically means that you've reached the end of what biology can do. Okay. Wow. It is crazy how much more complicated it gets the more you love someone, you know, Mm -hmm. the more you think that you're uh, able to tell this person anything and really have this open relationship, the more convoluted it can actually get because you're so scared of losing them. I can relate to it so much because in my long-term relationship, you know, sex became such a obstacle and that's when it really did feel like it was dying. But then the way that you're saying you just, it's as far as biology could have taken you, um, which is, and it's natural, but you have to be able to talk about it and have the tools to move through it. Well, and it would make sense that like all the hormones and the butterflies and all of that, like isn't sustainable. Like just on like a biological, like I only have so much energy. Like it makes sense that that would not be sustainable and that you would need to move into something else, but how that would be scary if the only thing you've been taught is that sex has to feel Mm -hmm. that one particular way. And if it doesn't, then you're failing or this isn't your person or anything like that. Like we really aren't taught how to move into these different stages because I feel like we're really only taught that like 20 year olds have hot, passionate sex and then sex just dies off. And like, if you're older, you're done anyways. So like, why, why would we even talk about these different stages? Yeah. That's so fucked up. And so within these different stages, are there still those moments of like intense passion and heat and like, you know, how you felt in the, in the friction stage, or is it a totally different type of sexual relationship that you're moving into? Well, the third type of sex is what I call connection sex. And that is the one that's intentional, where it's not just driven by biology, but driven by, by intention. And it's also driven by really recognition of the things that actually create sexual desire when, again, the hormones are not in place. And one of them is relaxation and spaciousness. So this is what we know as the vacation effect, being outside of your home, not having to attend to anything or anyone, especially if you're like at a place where you're really taken care of and pampered, that those kind of scenarios are really important to sexual desire in a long-term relationship. And again, many people experience that on vacation and then come home, go back into their routines and think, oh, it's just something that happens once a year. But really in connection sex, and this is what I work with clients on, is designing lives that incorporate these important elements of spaciousness and time and not just time, but time specifically with each other where you are, where you have your attention on each other, where you are not rushed to do something else or be responsible for something, but where you can reconnect as lovers in that, again, that, that kind of couple bubble where we, that we all experience in the beginning of a relationship where we don't care who's sitting next to us, what noise is happening, uh, what time it is, right? We're just so engrossed with each other, creating those moments. And couples, again, experience that on, during vacations. Mm-hmm. Another element of connection sex, which is also intentionally done, is honesty and transparency and openness, emotional openness with each other. So yes, you know, there are moments where couples will feel that intense passion again because they either opened up about something that they've been withholding before or were honest about something that was so scary to name to each other and then then have that burst of passion. 
but they don't know that that's what's creating it. And then again, they go back into their regular lives and that passion wanes. So those are just two examples of how, yes, they can experience that excitement, but without knowing what created it and how to recreate it again, they're just one-offs. Yeah. Nothing's actually going to change. I really appreciate you like laying this out because it's so important and it's so simple, like really looking at it because it's like, okay, hormones, biology, all of that stuff is going to feel really exciting. And then shit happens. Life happens. Like when you choose to do life with someone like in a long-term relationship, regardless of if you're married or have kids, like whatever, you're choosing to do life with someone, like shit is just going to happen. And then you have to be intentional about Mm -hmm. your sex life. And it's like, that's so, that makes so much sense. And it is so simple, but I feel like if we don't talk about it, we don't realize like this is what's going on. And I think it can also feel like, I know that I've felt this way, like when, I've been with my partner for five and a half years and it's like there have been a lot of times and for a lot of different reasons when the sex has just kind of gone away and been like put on the back burner Mm -hmm. and sometimes it can feel embarrassing like oh like I'm you know in my mid-20s and like I should be having sex all the time and I should be and it's like no I shouldn't be doing anything there's no shoulds when it comes to sex but it's like it feels kind of gross and it's like, I don't really want to talk about it and be like, yeah, what's going on? We're not having sex um, with other people because it just kind of feels embarrassing. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things that we really bonded over in like the beginning of our Mm -hmm. friendship was we were both having a hard time wanting to have sex, Mm -hmm. wanting to have sex with our partners, you know, Mm -hmm. when like, cause just shit was tough for me at least within, within my relationship, but it's so embarrassing to talk about for some reason, Mm -hmm. especially when you're around friends that are like, oh yeah, we have sex. Like we didn't have a lot this week, only three times. And we're like, I haven't had sex three times. I'm so jealous. It's like two years I've had sex Mm -hmm. three times, but, but go her, but go her. (laughs) But how do, how do we work through those moments of lulls while still like trying to support our relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the big question, right? right? And I want to add to also what you were saying before answering this is that I went through everything that you described and everything that my clients work, uh, come to me for, which is I was in a sexless marriage and I struggled with my own libido and desire. I lost it in quotes and that's what I thought was happening. I thought it was my fault. And I remember feeling so ashamed and so lost. Like I did not have anyone to talk to. And yes, there was this image that like, you're supposed to know what to do once you've chosen your person. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to like, like literally you cross this threshold into long-term relationship and you're supposed to know what to do. And you're supposed to know how to work through these things. And neither of us knew. And it was incredibly, um, it was devastating to not be able to talk about it well to ourselves between ourselves, but then also to other people. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where so many couples get so confused. They, they blame themselves. They blame each other. They blame their love for each other or their compatibility because they don't know how to move through those lulls. And they, they start to take it as evidence of lack of compatibility when it really is not. But a way to work through that, or at least to start to address it, is to, well, first of all, admit to yourself that something is missing for you. And not just sex, as in like you're missing the orgasm, although obviously that's also important, but the connection, like you miss your partner. 
and admit that to yourself that, that this is important to you and start the conversations from that not we should be having more sex or why aren't we having more sex or you know can you have more sex with me but from that emotional connection place hey i miss you i miss us i miss our time together i'd like to find a way back to have making it happen mm-hmm. so this is also a big shift in a long-term relationship. It's not just about the sex, but about the connection and, and having it with your partner, not just having it. Um, and that's the beginning of a conversation. And if you do want to work with someone, if you want to seek out support, or even if you just want to you know, uh, get a book, still leading the conversation with your own emotional vulnerability of what it means to you, how you miss it, what, what's important about it. And create the connection first before talking about whether it's having sex or getting a book or or hiring someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you're almost never done getting to know your partner. Like there's always more you can learn, which, I mean, I feel like I have this same phenomenon with our podcast. I'm like, there's all, we're going to be done at some point having (laughs) things to talk about. And then we never are Mm because sex is like this bottomless pit. And so it's almost the same type of way with your, so are we, so are we. (laughs) So it's like your partners, like there's no way that you can like ever know Mm -hmm. everything about them. So there's so much to talk about. Well, and hopefully both of you are still growing. So then there's still more to learn and talk about. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, like, we're not the same as we were a year ago. Exactly. And like, just because I'm in a relationship doesn't mean I stop changing. Mm -hmm. So, but I feel like that's where my mind goes when I think about a long-term relationship. Like, well, we're done. I've known you for five years. Known you for five I don't know years. what the point is of this. You could be this old or 60 and you're the same human being to me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, re- I looked into this, although uh, I do not remember the exact numbers, but we are actually changing every day. Like our organs, our skin is changing every day. And our whole body changes over every seven years. Like every cell in our body changes over every seven years, like our liver every 30 days. Don't quote me on these exact numbers. <laughs> Something like that, like our skin every couple of weeks. And so it's, it is crazy to assume that the, the way we experience our sexuality and sexual urges when we were seven years old and 17 and, and 37 and 77 are going to be the same. And this even opens up to a different understanding of sex that there's a million ways. There's an infinite number of different types of sex. And I don't mean positions or what you do with your body, but it's really sex that fits you in that moment. You may have had a hard day, uh, I don't know, with devastating news and it's sex that fits you and your partner in that moment. Or sex that's that's wild and crazy and exciting, like, I don't know, you're a burning man and you're having an amazing time. Like, that's a unique type of experience to that moment. Or a moment where you just, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're making a baby or you, you just had a baby. There's so many things happening in life that will impact how you are emotionally, how you connect to your partner. And again, there's an infinite number of combinations. And so that's where the growth is. That's where sex shifts 
all the time, day to day. Like the kind of sex that you might have in the morning will be different at night with the same person. Because if you really attune to what's happening, if you really you know get curious and have uh, that Buddhist um, concept of child's eyes, if you really look at your partner with curiosity of like, who are they right now? And who am I right now, given what just transpired? Then you can create an infinite number of these amazing, magical experiences. They don't all have to be like, you know, flying off the wall, <laughs> orgasmic, but, but in terms of the uniqueness and the connection, that's where the magic is. I think that's a really beautiful frame. And I think we do have a tendency to put people in boxes, especially people that like we love and want to bring into our lives. We're like, okay, so you're this person and I can count on you to be this person and you're going to stay that person forever. And I think that that can cause a lot of conflict when we grow and change and shift. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I guess that brings me to another question. And maybe this isn't like an appropriate question, but how do you know that somebody, like what are you looking for in somebody when you're trying to, you know, create a long-term relationship knowing that people are going to grow like what are like the things that you look for because certain things are going to change so like Mm -hmm. I can't you know say oh this one thing that's why I'm in love with you that's why I want to create this long-term relationship with you that's why I want to work on all like creating our sex life because that might change so like what do you look for when you're trying to create that sex life and get through all of those three stages I love that question because you can, really, if you're in the beginning of a relationship, you can shape your, mm-hmm. your journey through those stages and friction sex and validation sex are still going to happen because the hormones and the biology is still there, but you don't have to get to the death of sex part. If you, if you think about the beginning of the relationship and treat it differently, um, then you can uh, basically get to connection sex early. And the biggest trait that's going to lead you to connection sex is it's curiosity. It's the, the, the skill. And also, I mean, it's, it's an innate quality, but it's also very much a skill, the skill of curiosity and willingness to ask questions and to also, um, you know, curiosity is an emotional risk. Right. You're showing something that you don't know to your partner. Like, I don't know. I I want to find out whether it's about yourself or them. And so curiosity coupled with this, this, this idea of taking an emotional risk are qualities that are going to set you up for success to have um, sex grow and evolve with your relationship. And the way you find out is by talking about it and not just talking theoretically of like, oh, understanding what you generally like. Um, That's important. But the bigger and more important piece is actually talking about your desires, your real desires. Like, you know, having a conversation of, you know, I really love being with you. I really love our, our sex and intimacy. And I would love it if you went slower. I love slower touch or I'd love other parts of my body being touched or um, I would love to try these things. Will you do this with me? So not just, again, talking about theoretical desires, but actually talking about the things that you want. And this is how you really get to see who your partner is and they get to really see who you are because talking about our real desires in real time, that's the, 
most, the, the riskiest thing emotionally that we can do in a relationship. Mm-hmm. But again, that's where you really find out who each of you is. Mm-hmm. That curiosity is such a good point too, because one of the things I love when I'm dating someone is that they're going to ask me like questions to get to know me about myself. And that does really set a standard of like, oh, you care, you're interested. And if that's like a characteristic of that person, that really can last you a long time if they're always going to be interested in who you are. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And you also mentioned that um, if you start talking, you know, you don't get to the death of the sex phase uh, or you don't have to stay there too long. So is there a way to completely like hop over it? (laughs) Like that you don't have to go through it at all? Yes and no. So yes, you won't get to that stage where, you know, when you, you don't know what's happening, right? You're so lost because you were expecting things to just keep going. So in that way, you absolutely can avoid it. And the death of sex will happen periodically to all couples. Because mm-hmm. at some point, again, like you, you were talking about earlier, life gets over, get, gets in the way. There could be just stress at work or, again, something about having children and, and you know, that period being really stressful or moving to a new country, whatever it is. That there, there may be a shift and then the curiosity falls by the wayside and the, there's just not enough capacity to take those emotional risks. And couples will come to that phase where it, they, they prioritize other things or they just, again, get very busy and they get into that lull. And so knowing that these lulls or these you know, little deaths of sex <laughs> will happen, but that they don't mean anything and that by getting curious again, by getting interested, by, by creating that emotional openness so that you can get back to having it be, um, it'll be different. It'll be a new stage, but you can get back to being connected to each other again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Being able to name it is I mean, in, in a lot of things in life, when it comes up, like being able to have a name for it, you know, helps substantially. We get a lot, um, or we've had a few questions about like, how do I keep my relationship spicy? Like, how do I keep it still fun and interesting in my long-term relationship? And I guess like, I want to know the frame of mind. It's going to be different for everyone, but where they're asking that question from, does that question, Like when I was asking it, it was like, I need someone to tell me that I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. or is it most of the time people are asking because they really do need these tools of like communication and they don't know how to do it. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I read those questions. I think that makes a lot of sense because I remember you coming from that perspective and I've asked that question as well. And I'm not coming from that perspective. Mm-hmm. At least I don't think so. Unless right. that's really deep down. <laughs> that's really <laughs> Sorry, deep down. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I really think I'm asking, when I ask that question, it's coming from like a, fuck, like why doesn't it feel the same? Or mm-hmm. why is it just not consistently like passionate and revved up? And like, how do I, like, what's the magic sauce for that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, well, maybe having like no stress. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you know, like no quitting everything. Sometimes. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Not having two dogs. Like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> right, right. I feel like motives are different. 
And I love this question to actually, you know, think about the motivation, the motivation and the, the thinking behind the question. And what I see a lot too around this is that it's, the question gets to why is it not the same? It should be a certain way. And it's a a lot of it is bringing these expectations from the media and from society of how it should be. And again, we're also comparing it to the beginning of a relationship, like, but it was hot and passionate. It should continue to do that. So some of it is just that old thinking and it's not old, it's still happening out there so much. But another piece about this, too, is that how to keep it spicy assumes that we need to bring something external into the relationship to keep it spicy. could be a new toy. It could be, uh, you know, as, as much as like opening up your relationship to bring a new partner. And again, we think that these are external things that are going to create the spice. And of course they can, but it's kind of recreating the friction piece, the friction sex piece. And instead, I want to reframe this to is what's, where's the disconnect in the, um, the connection between you and your partner that's actually um, damning the passion rather than bringing something external. Yeah. Where's the passion getting stuck? Is it in the resentments that are building up? Is it in the disconnect about what you really want, right? right? Shying away from saying what it is that you want or, feeling like what you want is too much or worrying that your partner is going to say no or not going to be interested. That's a bigger block to sexual passion than just things are getting boring. Although that too is a big piece because most people without this curiosity and and taking risks and sex end up doing the same thing over and over because, well, it, it gets the job done. It get, right. gets a results. It's safe. We know what to do. We don't have to take that emotional risk. But the problem is that sex is not meant to be a, um, I don't even know what to compare it to, but like something like, like a car wash, right? Yeah. Like you, <laughs> car wash, so you just go through it. It doesn't, does not need to be new and exciting every time. It just gets the job done. Well, sex is about human connection and, and pleasure and surrender and, and having a transcendent experience and doing the same thing over and over is not going to produce that. Mm-hmm. It may produce again, a, like an orgasm or, or a, some kind of release, but it's not going to produce the, the excitement and the passion. And for that, the opening needs to happen in curiosity, taking emotional risks and saying what it is that you want. And so that's going to keep it spicy. This is what's going to keep it exciting. And of course you can bring in new things, again, new toys or positions or whatever that you crave, but that it's coming from where you're connected to each other rather than using those external accoutrements to, to think that they're going to change everything. They're just band-aids really. That makes sense that, you know, novel things and novel experiences would bring back some of those feelings from the friction stage. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier with making the sex fit to the moment and like having sex in the moment that actually fits that moment. Like, I think that's Mm -hmm. such a beautiful frame of mind. I love that. Mm -hmm. I do have a question that I've been thinking about this whole time. So when people act like they're in the friction stage, their entire relationship, are they lying? 
<laughs> like, are they just complete bullshitters? Or does their, like, uh, connection sex look like friction sex from the outside? Say that a little bit more, <laughs> I love it. I, that's how I would ask That's just it. what I've been wondering. Like, good for them. I'm so I'm happy. not there. So... <laughs> Well, I don't know if they're lying, but what I said earlier, um, I see a lot that friction sex can easily be maintained and propped up by drugs and alcohol. So if you're consuming alcohol, you're in a way it removes any need to be emotionally vulnerable. It takes care of relaxation that you can just do the physical act. It can feel good and or good enough and that's that's there right and that's it um and what i see and how i know this is what i see when couples when they stop drinking for example that they cannot connect in a sober way anymore right and it's and, and connect meaning like they can't even have sex they cannot relax around their partners they cannot their desire is gone and that's how strong uh, these substances are, that they, uh, they do create an alternate state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that, again, it, friction sex works beautifully with that. You don't need an emotional connection. You don't need to talk. You just, in a way, close your eyes, do your thing. And you can be even, like, fantasizing about someone else in your head while you're doing it just to get the physical part done. Also, the, the, the hot sex, hot friction sex happens in couples where there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of uh, pushing each other away and then reconnecting and it feeling so amazing. And then getting into the cycle where you're pushing each other away, where there's a lot of fighting and arguments. And then you, get, you, you reconnect and you want each other. So that's where friction sex um, is, is very... It can be very passionate, very um, uh, bonding, but it's a hellish cycle where you're trying to you know, kill each other and then you come back into passionate sex and then you go back into killing each other. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense because for really high highs, you would need really low lows to balance it out. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't just have the high highs. That's where friction sex gets the Yeah. Got to have a lot of friction. Got to have a lot of friction. <laughs> Precisely. I didn't even think about that, but absolutely. <laughs> So I think we spend a lot of time mourning the friction sex and trying to move forward. So why is connection sex or is connection sex better? Can it be better than friction sex? Like, what are we aiming for? What are we looking forward to? What are we working towards? Yes, yes. I love talking about this because uh, it's millions and millions, infinitely times uh, better than friction sex because what you what you what we all love about friction sets it's the excitement is the passion is the hotness and you can create that and you can go into deeper levels of that with connection sex when you do it intentionally right and it's not what's also different and um this comes from tantra so Uh, I teach tantric sex, uh, although I could translate it for the modern times. Um, And tantric sex is really about, uh, instead of building friction to create sexual or uh, sexual tension to create that chemistry, you actually 
create that chemistry and that connection by slowing down, by relaxing, by opening up rather than by, by tensing and creating tension and friction. And so in connection sex, you can create deep levels of passion and emotional connection um, through um, merging with each other, through the sense of that your body is so open to your partner and so free that, for example, you're not thinking about what to do or what to say or, or how to move your body, but that in a way your body moves you. Like it moves first, it knows exactly what to do. It knows where you need to put your hand or your mouth or, or how, what position you need to be in. And it moves your speed. And that freedom is what really is the experience of ecstasy, right? That freedom, that openness where you, your body, you, you're no longer thinking. Your prefrontal cortex is totally offline, and you are in this experience where it's, it's so it's so relaxing, it's delicious, it's timeless, it's in a way bodiless, and you're feeling so fully in your body. And that can go on and on, and that's where the, the, the passion and the heat happens that, uh, again, we might feel in the beginning, but it has a different flavor and a di- different depth. And going with this, like, you know, I think of it, having sex in the stage is like having a wave that just takes you, right? Just surrendering to a wave. And you know how fun it is, like, at the ocean to ride the waves. Like, it's so, it's such a great feeling when you're moved this way. And this is what happens in the stage. This is where you you get to lose yourself in that and come out of it recharged and empowered and uh, nourished, the way that you described building chemistry too, that was like a whole other like reframe, like building chemistry through friction and tense, like, like tensing up, you know, like mm-hmm. a sexual tension or building chemistry through slowing down and connecting. I've never built chemistry that way. Mm-hmm. So that's so interesting to think about it that like that. Yeah. I'm like sitting with it and I'm like thinking of all these different sexual scenarios. I'm like comparing it to like metaphorically. We've talked about, you know, masturbation and Mm. using masturbation Mm -hmm. to like manifest or just like to open up and all of those kinds of things. And it's like, um, I remember we were talking about when you're about to orgasm, like tensing up or like trying to relax into it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like a comparison that came up for me. And then the other comparison that came up for me is like, you know, friction could be like, jackhammering in and out type of thing whereas like that's usually not that pleasurable like it could potentially get the job done um but it's like the slow down and the actually knowing what my needs are Mm -hmm. that actually feels really good and those were kind of like the physical comparisons that came up for me during that right so there's there's good to all the stages Mm -hmm. but there's like the sustainability of that last stage that's just probably going to be above and beyond what you could ever experience in the first two. Exactly. Exactly. The depth of it. And, you know, with this idea of of slowing down and speeding up that, you know, like if you're, if you're um, in a, in a bullet train, you cannot see the flowers uh, on the side of the, of the train tracks. You cannot make, distinguish the shapes And it's the same thing with 
sex that's like, yeah, that's jackhammering uh, your clitoris or uh, we're going inside and, and um, that you, you cannot distinguish the sensations. But as you slow down, wow, there's an infinite amount of things to experience because we have so many nerve receptors everywhere on our skin, on our genitals, in our mouth, everywhere. And the slower we go, the more we can capture that, right? We can slow that train down to look at every petal of a flower. And I'm always amazed with flowers. Some flowers have like 10 tiny flowers inside a small flower. Like, right, the flower is like half a, half of um, an inch big and there's like 20 little ones inside of it. And then there might be even like tiny little petals inside of that. Like that's what we can create in sex when we slow down. We can feel the energy in our skin, the tingles, the electricity, the, uh, the you know, like you might feel moistness, you might feel colors even as you slow down and feel into sensations, which is one of the most ecstatic things that I've ever experienced is actually seeing and feeling colors. Wow. That's incredible. The magic in our bodies, like we're equipped with this. It's just the skill of slowing down and the curiosity that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cass and I were just talking about. I was just thinking. (laughs) Like feeling colors, Mm -hmm. feeling or seeing colors. Well, we were talking about days of the week and how the different days feel like different colors to us. And we said that Monday and Wednesday are like pink. Yeah. (laughs) Tuesday, Thursday are like yellowy. Yellowy and orangey. What do you think Friday is? I was thinking about this last night mm. and I have my answer. So Friday, Friday is like blue. <gasps> yes. <Woo! laughs> oh, I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> Side note. Sorry. Side note. <laughs> we love when we might know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, that was good. It was like the first thing that popped into my mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, with all of this, <laughs> which sounds just so amazing and like you can finally be on the same page with your partner you know for the long haul is there still any issues with like mismatched libidos or is that not so much an issue if like what you're building is sincere connection that doesn't have to end in sex I guess yeah that's a big piece so when you're designing sex mindfully not every not every um, interaction has to end in sex as we know and like intercourse and orgasm both people have to finish but there's a lot of variations that it can you know that it can take shape um, and so that and also just the the whole process of getting there by talking about each other's needs and desires that starts to line people up in terms of mismatched libidos. That so much of mismatched libidos comes from not having your needs met and not ever verbalizing your needs. So not even have having any clue on how to get your needs met and having these big breaks between sexual connection that then allow the the tension to build up and the need to release be strong. And that's obviously especially true for someone who has kind of overtly um, high level of libido. But when you are having constant sexual interactions, be it through flirting or through kissing or having um, sensual touch 
that creates that sexual pleasure and sexual uh, sexual connection through relaxation, people's libidos, the, the low libido person, and I'm using air quotes, um, starts to uh, start to open up and they're like, oh, I really like this. I don't want to have an orgasm every time we have sex, but I can certainly, you know, take being stroked and being massaged, getting like a, a sexual massage where I don't have to climax. Hey, I can do that more often. And that sexual connection for the high libido partner actually nourishes them and makes them less of, okay, I need this. I, I have to have it. Otherwise I'm just, I'm going to explode. And so they start to line up more and they start to actually have a sustainable sexual desire and libido and because the connection is sustainable. And that's also one of the biggest things about connection sex is learning how to have regular sexual connection and being okay with different ways that it looks. Again, some days you want the full thing with, with intercourse and orgasm and other times you're really... Um, like the, the sexual stroking and just having a sensual massage is exactly the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And also another piece is not necessarily always being in the same place um, that like one, both people don't have to want to have sex. One person can be the receiver one day another one, the giver. And then the next day they switch um, depending on circumstances and life situations, you know, if, if you're going through a hard time and you don't have the energy to give to your partner, it might be an amazing experience that that time, that period to be the receiver, to be nourished by sex and, and sexual touch uh, and not just have to show up with full enthusiasm. So it, the more the more uh, variation you have that way, the more permission you have, to, to have this variation, the more you can meet different libidos and again, sync up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the hardest part of all of, all of it can be the conversation, you know? So if you are talking about like, Oh, I have a lot of sex drive right now. Where are you at? And you're like, mm-hmm. not so much, but we can do this. You know, mm-hmm. like that really does mitigate the issue. I feel like nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's reassuring to hear too, that that can, become not so much of an issue. Absolutely. And we were just talking in a recent episode about sexual bids mm. and like meeting somebody's bid or denying somebody's bid and like renegotiating and all of that to make sure that both people feel validated. And so I feel like that really aligns with that. And I feel like the connection stage really just sounds like relaxing into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like that lack of pressure and the lack of like force and mm-hmm. really just relaxing into it there's no shoulds there's mm-hmm. just it is. it is and I really like that yeah <laughs> me too me too and you use the word negotiation and that's a big piece and not like a formal negotiation because <laughs> you're at a table and discussing things but it's it's yeah it's the conversations of what do you want and what what are you available for what do i want and what am i available for and answering those bids making each other feel important to each other that you're listening and hearing and coming up with something it may not be the thing that the person wants but uh, redirecting to something else i'm not available for this but i'd love to do this mm-hmm. and offering yourself up and obviously 
um, being willing to meet your partner still in some kind of connection. And oftentimes when I see this for myself and my clients is that it leads to more. When we feel heard and understood and met in those bids, it actually leads to more desire and connection. It's like, oh, actually that felt awesome. Let's do more. I didn't know I had that energy in me, but now that this felt so good, I'm, I'm available for more. And then again, more can happen. Like we were talking about in that same episode with the, you know, I'm going to give myself five to 10 minutes of, Mm -hmm. you know, being at least open to this situation. Or we were talking about it in terms of going to the gym. And if I still feel good five minutes from now, we can, we can talk about it. We can Mm -hmm. talk about adding some cardio or abs (laughs) or something, you know, but if I don't, then I won't. So Mm -hmm. I love, I love that. And I don't have any, I want to like leave it on a really high note. Yeah. Um, unless you have something else. No, I think, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to make sure is said? Well, this piece of what you just mentioned, the moment by moment, this is also very important. And it's very important to connection sex, because like we talked about earlier, we're changing constantly, we're changing every second, right? Something can happen, and it emotionally wakes us up and changes us. And so the key is to stay into in it moment by moment, like what's happening now? What do I want now? What does my body want now? What does my partner want now? And now? And again, now and now, and not jump to, oh, I got to be over there, right? I have to, you know, either finish this way or create this impact for my partner. And this is really important for specifically women in a a long-term relationship in our libido is we need time to get into it, to be met, to kind of relax, to, for a body to get turned on. And where women get tripped up, myself included, was thinking, I got to be over there. I got to be in the mood. I got to be turned on. Uh, I have to perform a certain way. And so that made all the little steps, all those moments leading up to it, miserable, up, you know, tense, worried. And so how to break through that is to really take it minute by minute. What do I want now? What's going to bring me pleasure? What's going to feel most connected with my partner? And then you can experience the magic of that moment. And that's going to feed the next one and the next one and the next one. And again, kind of guaranteeing you that you're going to get to, to where you want to go. Beautiful. Where can our listeners continue connecting with you after this episode? So I have a wealth of information on my website, which is irenefair.com. There's a free video series called How to Want Sex Again. Um, There is just hundreds of blog posts and articles and, of course, ways to get in touch with me for couples coaching. So that's on my website, irenefair.com. You have made it to the end of our long-term relationship. Not really. That sounds like this is the last episode. You never know what life can bring. Are you breaking up with me? <laughs> you ask me that a lot, actually. <laughs> no, I'm not. I you feel talk like a lot like we're that. We're not in a secure relationship. We need to secure our bond. Yeah. No, I'm not breaking Legally. up with you. You already did that, and I'm still sour. I, I think, well, legally, we're actually quite tight as well. <laughs> That's true. If you think about that. Yeah. Uh, we will need lawyers if we ever want to yeah. do something that goes against each other. So there you go. We are in a long-term relationship. Yeah. Thank fucking God. Mm-hmm. It worked for me somehow. <laughs> Great. Uh, thank Thanks, you. Irene. Irene. 
for, you know, bringing that to light. And also thank you for being on the episode today. And thank you to our listeners. I think we're in the friction stage. We're in the friction stage. It's not the bad one. I can't. That is, that, that's not the bad one. It's <laughs> I just didn't the mean first that. one. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we get a little, uh, never mind. You go. Anyway, <laughs> head on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. You can also rate us on Spotify. So do that there. I think most of you listen on Spotify. Um, yeah, you do. If this is going to be the episode that's going to get you to leave a review, make it a nice one. <laughs> make it a nice one, first and foremost. Maybe leave a heart or something. Yeah. Because, you know. Match my nails. My red nails. There you go. Red heart. There you go. Or do the nail. If you made it this far, you can do the nail painting emoji because then I'll know you like me. <laughs> and I'll know you like my nails. You like my nails. <laughs> and you're watching on YouTube. Yeah. Double whammy. Double whammy. All right. Okay. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.